through your Holy Spirit, conceive in Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, but we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Our judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Follow the lyrics, guys. Sended into darkness, you rose in glorious life. Forever seated high. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I believe, I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Come on, sing it. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, but we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus, for I believe in the name of Jesus, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Wow. I love this song. 
You guys know that I like it, eh? <laughs> what do you believe in? believe in virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in the holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Wow. <laughs> God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. But God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy Spirit our God is three Oh, I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus for I believe in the name of Jesus Hallelujah Everybody believes in something. You know, even the atheist believes in something. Even the atheist believes in something. He believes that there is no God. You got to believe in something. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What do you believe in? <coughs> Father, we thank you this morning for your word that is coming to us. Thank you for a day like today where we remember what you did for us. We're asking, Holy Spirit, that you will come and help us understand in a way that will bring transformation to our lives. That we'll know who we are and why we believe in you and do it with understanding. Pray for everyone that is yet to join us, that Lord, you'll bring everyone here in a heart and mind to receive from your Holy Spirit. And for those of us here, I ask, Lord, that you'll give us attentive hearts Abind any spirits of destruction, any work of the devil to hinder us from hearing the truth of your word. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over this atmosphere. And I ask that your word will have free course. In the name of Jesus Christ. Open our hearts. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to understand. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right. Well, you're welcome again to the youth service of a joint Assemblies of God Easter Convention. And um,
together with the support of the other youth leaders in all the six churches. Um, privilege to share God's word with you today. Okay. For some time now, we've been talking in this in in at Living Word Youth Church. We've been talking about martyrs. So I want to talk today about a particular message on martyrs. Today being Good Friday. Martyrs is a Greek word. It's a Greek word. How many of you know that English is not the only language in the world? Right? English is not the only language in the world. There's English, there's what? Chi, Spanish, French, Greek is another language, Hebrew is another language. So martus is a word in Greek and it means a witness. It means a witness. I'm going to talk about that, but Talking to us about martyrs, the lambs empowered witnesses. And the key text is Acts 1.8, which says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You will be witnesses. This was directly from Jesus' mouth. Jesus was speaking this scripture to the disciples, you will receive power, power, power. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. How many of you want power? Now, power is a nice thing to have, right? When you have power to get A on your exam, isn't it good? You, you, you just study a little bit, and you sit in the exam, and you have the power to do very well, right? And then you have power not to be shy, but to be bold. So you have a presentation on biology in class, and you're not shy, but you have power, you have boldness. And then amongst your friends, when they're saying, why are you a Christian? And they're trying to tease you, you're not afraid. You have power to say, hey, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that my God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that I will rise again. I believe in the name of Jesus. You're not afraid. You have power. Now, that power, it comes, it says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. So, we're talking about martyrs. And like I said, martus means a witness. Now, a witness, there are three meanings of witness. There's a witness in the legal sense, where you have a witness in court. You know? So you go to court, you want a witness, right? You have a witness who will come and testify. Then there's also a witness in a historical sense. So there was a crime scene or something happened on the road. There was a car accident. Somebody saw something. So something that has happened in the past person is able to be a witness of what happened, right? So the first, the legal sense and the historical sense, you might think about the same, but not necessarily. You know, when you are filling out a form, right? You're filling out a form, 
sometimes you need a witness. How many of you, all of you here, were you all born here in, in Canada? Yeah. So there are some of you who have never sat in an airplane before? Yes. All you, all you know is Canada. Good for you. But if you were not born in Canada and you came here, in coming you fill a form or you fill some application and in feeling that you will need a witness, somebody who will sign against it, that I'm a witness that you are filling this. So that's a legal sense. Then there's a historical sense where something happened and somebody saw it and they want to, they want to be a witness. Then the word martus also means something to do with your faith. Right? Where people, an example is where people who believe in something are willing to die for what they believe because they believe it strongly. Right? So that's the word martus. Where here he's saying those who after the example of Christ, they prove the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. So somebody believes something and that belief is strong enough that they would rather die than to deny that belief. You know? If um, they told you, somebody told me, for instance, that I'm a lady. And I said, no, I'm not a lady. I'm a guy. And they say, no, you are a lady. And he wants to go through all lengths of arguments with me that I'm a lady. And I said, no, I'm a guy. You see, my, the strength of my belief will make me fight that argument to the end. Right? So what you believe determines what you stand for and what you fight for. And when the scriptures uses the Greek word martus, it's referring to people who don't flinch in what they believe. Now today, being Good Friday, I want us to look at a unique kind of martyr. So there are, two, there are two ways in which we get power to be a witness. One is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? In Acts 1, it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you receive power. That's miraculous power. That's, called, that's dunamis. So power to perform miracles. Power to heal. Did Jesus heal people? Yeah perform miracles and he's giving us that same power so that when your brother or sister is sick you have that power to go and lay hands on the person and say in Jesus name be healed that's power it takes power to to make a dead person rise from the dead right it takes power and we have that power through the Holy Spirit it's called dunamis miraculous power power to cast out demons did you know you can cast out demons from yourself that you didn't need your pastor to do that did you know that I cast out demons for myself all the time. All the time. Oh, pastor, I didn't know you also have demons. <laughs> Jesus said, those who believe in me, in my name, they shall do what? They shall cast out devils. Jesus turned to Peter. Peter had been following Jesus for a long time, right? And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, who? Jesus. Satan. So Jesus knew, even though Peter had been following him, Satan had entered him and was speaking through him. So occasionally, you have to cast out demons from yourself. You're there and then you feel hateful or you feel resentful or bitter. Somebody hurt you, 
you feel I don't want to forgive this person. That feeling is a demon. It's a demon that's not making you want to forgive. So you say, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. Get out of my life. You have that power and the demons will obey you. So that's dunamis. Now, there's another way we get power. There's another way we get power. And that's what we want to focus on on this Good Friday. The other way we get power is through sacrifice. Through sacrifice. Through sacrifice, you get power. And so we see that also in Jesus' life. Even though Jesus had miraculous power, he cast out demons, he healed the sick, he raised the dead. He also had the power that came through sacrifice. And that power came as he sacrificed himself on the cross for us. Amen? So we're looking today at the power that comes through what? Sacrifice that enables us to be martyrs for Jesus to be a witness for Jesus that comes through sacrifice sacrifice now in 1st Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 um, Chanel can you read for me for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is power of God amen for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross. What's the message of the cross? It's a message of sacrifice, a message of dying. Right? You, you don't... Have you seen somebody hanging on the cross and having a party? No. The cross is for dying. It's for sacrificing. Right? It's for something painful. But here in this scripture, we're learning that that same painful thing... It is actually the power of God. He said the message of the cross to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I mean, can you imagine with me God's power? Right? I mean, you know, you, you, you know what it means for, to, to see electric power. Have you, have you guys seen electric power before? Have you seen high tension poles with wires? I've seen it. I've seen it before. That the, the, the wires, high tension wires, the electricity power going through them so strong that as you are standing there, you will see sparks on the wires. And if we were to ask you to hold that wire for just one second, will you do it? Because electric power is very powerful. It could shake you and throw you and you will die. That's electric power. Can you imagine the power of God? It's beyond imagination. Powerful. I mean, he just spoke one word and the world came to being. Let there be light and the sun was up. That's power. And he's saying that the message of the cross is the power of God. The power of God. So that's what we're talking about today. And we want to look particularly about how Jesus received such power. <laughs> Through sacrifice. And so we're looking at Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. The Bible calls Jesus Christ the faithful witness. Jesus is Martus. Okay? Jesus is Martus. He is the faithful witness. The faithful witness. Who's the one? Who's the, who's the guy lying on the floor there? Yeah. 
guess. Yeah. Um, how would Jesus be martyrs if, like, we're martyrs if we die because we believe in him? What was, like, his belief then? Yes, what was his belief then? Very, very good question. When Jesus came into this world, when he stood before Pilate, he said to Pilate, for, because Pilate was trying to tell Jesus that, you know, I have power to free you. So answer my questions. Jesus said, you don't have any power over me. And he said to him, for this reason I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, to bear witness of the truth. Right? So Jesus was a witness of the truth. What was the truth? The truth is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and there is no way we can get to God. Right? And the truth is that only Jesus can save us from our sins. So he came to point all of us back to God. Do you get it? So he was a witness of this truth. And for that witness, he stayed faithful, even to the point of death. That's our example. Do you get it? So I want you to listen closely. God will bless you. You will hear something that will transform your life if you listen and you don't let your friend distract you. And you don't let your phone distract you. Listen, okay? The faithful witness. The faithful witness. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6. Vanessa, read for me. Chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6. Vanessa. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to, to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and forever and ever. G Thank you, Vanessa. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. That word witness there is the Greek word martus. Jesus Christ, the faithful martus, the faithful witness. Okay? So he's not only calling us to be his witnesses, he was an example to us as who a witness should be. A witness. And Jesus is the faithful witness. And one will examine in what sense he was the faithful witness and what he went through to become the faithful witness. Amen. Hallelujah. So, a faithful witness, he said he was the one who died for our sins. Now, today, being Good Friday, we're all celebrating the death of Jesus. In our world today, a lot of people don't believe in Jesus. And they have all sorts of excuses why they don't believe in Jesus. But we Christians, one of the central foundations of our faith and belief is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, right? How many of you know that if Jesus Christ didn't die, your Christianity is out of the window? It's gone. You don't have any faith. You don't have any Christianity. If, if in fact Jesus Christ did not die, all that we are believing in is a joke. You know, the Bible actually says it. Paul, the apostle said, if Jesus Christ did not die, then we have all been deceived and we are most miserable of all men so the death of jesus is one of the central things in your belief and if the devil 
really wants to shake your faith, which he's planning to do, if you don't know, the devil is planning to shake some of you your faith, especially as you go to university. It's going to shake what you believe. That you'd get to the point where you even begin to question what you believe. One of the things the devil will shake is for you to question whether Jesus really died. Because if Jesus did not really die, then the resurrection is also not true. Right? When we get to Resurrection Sunday. Because if he didn't die, then how would he resurrect? So, I want us to answer the question, did Jesus really die? Because if he is the faithful witness, and it says in Revelation chapter 2 verse 10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And he's our example of who a martyr should be. Then we must answer that question for ourselves, if Jesus really died. Okay? Are you interested in knowing if Jesus really died? Alright. Just imagine with me on this story. They found an elephant on a train track, hit by a train, lying there, lifeless, not moving. So they tried to make a police report. It took, it took a while to get all the paperwork done, but the, the elephant was still lying there, not moving. So as they were going through the paperwork, I mean, people are surrounded, elephant is dead, hit by a train. They were there as they were doing all the police reports and stuff. The elephant begins to shake himself and gets up and walks away. Now, if you were around, what will you conclude? Will you conclude that the elephant rose from the dead? Yeah? No. What would be your conclusion? That the elephant didn't really die. Right? Your conclusion will be, Hi, coffee tea. Welcome. Good to see you. Your conclusion will be what? That the elephant didn't really die. Right? Now, that is how some people have concluded about Jesus. Some people say, people who don't believe in Jesus, people who question what you believe and what I believe, they try to say, Albert, they say that Jesus didn't really die, that he was just unconscious. And after three days, he just revived. And he got up and the people say Jesus died and rose from the dead. That is not true. You see, some of the arguments that they use to support this claim is that Jesus was offered a drug sponge when he was on the cross. So, you know, when Jesus said, I'm thirsty, right? When he said that I'm thirsty, they gave him a sponge with... Um, vinegar on it and so these people who claim that jesus didn't really die they said that vinegar was actually some medicine that knocked him out so he didn't really die but he was just knocked out and then also they say pilate you remember pilate was surprised when the disciples of jesus went to him said we want to take down his body from the cross because he's dead pilate was surprised that how could he die so soon right because as we will see crucifixion is intended to take you through slow death 
So it usually takes time. But Jesus died very quickly. And so they're saying that, they're saying that um, Jesus didn't really die, that he was just knocked out. And his disciples grabbed him from the cross and put him in the tomb. And whilst in the tomb, because he was very cool, with nice air condition <laughs> in the tomb, after three days, he just re revived like the elephant and got up. And they say he's risen. Now you see, if what they are saying is true, then our faith is a joke. Do you understand? That is why it is very important for you to convince yourself that real truth of whether did Jesus really die. Because if Jesus really died, then our faith is true and our belief is true. It's very important that you know what you are believing. You know, we don't just, there's, people talk of blind faith. I don't believe in blind faith. No, no, faith should not be blind. You shouldn't just, for no reason somewhere, just say, I just believe. No, no, no. If you just believe like that, somebody can easily shake your faith with questions that you have no answers for. And then you easily change your mind, right? But Peter said, we have not believed in cunningly devised fables when we told you of Jesus Christ, that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty and we saw him and we told you of the things that we saw. So God wants, us, wants our faith to be based on real things that we, we see and we believe in. That's why I want us, I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to follow our little chat this morning, okay? That did Jesus really die? Because if you can get convinced yourself that Jesus really died, then you will know that he actually also really resurrected. Didn't just revive. It was the power of God that raised him from the dead. And if he was raised from the dead, then my faith is true. And I don't let anything shake my faith. Then I can also be a confident witness of these things. Amen? So, I want us to examine the death of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it in two ways. One, we're going to look at the events that led to his death. The things that happened before he was killed. And then we will look at how he was killed. The crucifixion itself. So far, are you with me? Yeah. All right. So, Luke 22, verse 44. Um, who will read for me? Nigel, can you read for me? Amen. This is talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before, hours before he was being arrested to be crucified. He went to pray. Remember, he was in the garden praying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Right? And as he was praying, the Bible says, being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. What does that mean? You know, everything in the Bible means something. His sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, <coughs> medically, medically, that is possible. There is a condition known as hematidrosis. Right? Hematidrosis. Some people pronounce it hematidrosis. It's a medical condition <coughs> where... Some people, when they are under stress, intense stress, their sweat is actually blood that is coming out. So this is an article 
in Live Science about a woman, October 23, 2017, a woman whose condition causes her to sweat blood. And if you read it, 21-year-old woman, it says her bleeding is more intense when she's under what? Emotional stress. And so we're looking at the events leading to Jesus' death. Remember we saw in the scripture, it says, being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. So even leading to his death, you can see medically, Jesus was so emotionally stressed, was under intense. I mean, you are going to carry the sin of the whole world. Why won't you be stressed? I mean, just Courtney's sins alone is enough to stress Jesus. Or Courtney, is not not true. Isn't your sins alone enough to stress Jesus? As for my sins, there is enough to just crush Jesus. Just my sins alone to just crush him. And then now he adds Michaela's sins and Vanessa's sins and Monica's sins and the sins of the whole world. Jesus is under emotional stress. And his blood, his sweat, just like we saw in that um, young lady, Jesus' sweat actually became drops of blood falling to the ground. Amen. So, now Jesus already is going through emotional stress. You know, he was then arrested. After he was arrested, the Bible says they whipped him. They whipped him. We're trying to understand what happened before Jesus died, right? To understand if this happened to any human being, will they die or will they not die, right? So after he gets whipped, now the whip that they use, there's an example there, and it's of braided leather and it has metal balls woven into the leather. And so when the soldier takes the whip, of course, they, they strip Jesus naked. You know, when you see the movies, it's like he's having something covering him. No, he was naked. Okay, and so they will take the whip and throw it to his back. He was tied to a pole. So they throw it to his back and the metal balls will hit the, his flesh. And the, you see the um, tip of the metal balls is sharp. It pierces into the flesh. And then they will drag it on his back. And they don't lift it, they drag it. And so that will cut into his flesh and peel the flesh. How many lashes was Jesus given? Do you know? Two? Two? Thirty? Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine lashes. Can you take two of those lashes? Just two. So when... After, after the person has been whipped like that, literally, the, the flesh on their back will be peeled off. You could sometimes even see the spine in the back, right? So remember, before Jesus went through this, already he's under emotional stress. His sweat is becoming like blood. And then they whip him like that. These are just nice movie images. Nothing like the real thing, to be honest with you. 
So you see the whip like that with the metal balls piercing through the flesh and then they drag it. Right? So all his flesh would have been peeled. And the sad thing is, it's not only the back, it's any part of his body. So you see his whole flesh being affected. Now, why is it important for you to know these things? Because if you don't know the truth, what you know will be taken away from you. It's important that you understand on a Good Friday why we call it good. Because Jesus went through this so that we would not go through it. So that you will understand what it means when you say you are a child of God or a Christian. You don't just take it for granted and just live anyhow. Now, obviously, after he was whipped like this, then he was made to carry the cross. Okay? He was made to carry the cross. So what would happen is, after the person has gone through this whipping, they get into a state of shock. And this state of shock, four things happen that lead to it. One, because there is so much blood that they are losing from the whipping and all the wounds, because they are losing so much blood. How many of you do, have, have started studying biology in class? Okay. So we'll do a little biology today. Sorry? <laughs> so because he's losing so much blood, the heart, you know, the heart is part of your circulatory system. If you haven't studied that yet, you will study it. So it's a circulatory system. The circulatory system consists of your heart and your blood vessels, right? Which, your blood vessels, which are your arteries and your veins, right? The arteries take the blood away from the heart to the rest of your body and the veins carry the blood back from the rest of your body to your heart and it just keeps so that's why the moment the heart stops beating means there's no more blood flowing the person dies because the blood is what carries the food the nutrients to the rest of your body okay so the moment you are losing blood the heart begins to pump faster because it's trying to get more blood to the rest of the body because you realize that no i'm not not much blood is not coming back to the heart. So it begins to pump faster so that it will help to spread more. So the heart races to pump blood, but the blood is not there. And because it's doing that, the blood pressure drops. See, so your blood pressure, as you lose blood, your blood pressure drops. When the blood pressure drops, there's not enough blood getting to your brain. Okay? So because there's no blood getting to your brain, the person gets into a state of shock. So they will faint or collapse. When that happens, your kidney, what does the kidney do? Produces urine. Produces urine. Your kidney will try to stop production of urine. Why? Because it wants to keep the water in your blood system so that the blood that you are losing, the water will be in to keep the volume up. You understand? So the kidney stops to produce urine to try to maintain the little fluid that's left in your body. When that happens, you become also very thirsty because your body, the brain sends thirst to your mouth. It's trying to tell you that, no, I'm not ha I don't have enough water. I'm losing volume. 
So go and drink more water. Go and drink more water. So the person becomes very thirsty. Now, these four things that we've talked about, we can see evidence of it in Jesus when he was being um, crucified. Number one, we see Jesus, when he was carrying the cross, at some point he collapsed. He fainted. Because, I mean, he had been beaten. He's lost so much blood. And his blood volume had gone down. He was in a state of shock. And they put this big weight on the, of the cross. The cross is not like the ones they put on the chain that they put, put around their neck. Heavy wooden cross. Right? And so he fell into a state of shock. And he collapsed. And that's how come they got Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross. If you read the Bible. He got somebody else to carry the cross to help Jesus along the way. Then, if you remember, whilst he was on the cross, he had lost so much blood, he said, I am what? Thirsty. Thirsty. So, it's telling you what Jesus' body was going through. You enjoying the biology class so far? Any question? Okay. So, that's the state of shock. Next, let's look at the nails that went through his hands. You know, we usually see the nails going through the palm. The nails never went through the palm. And you know why? Imagine, have you, you guys, have you seen a dead body before? No. You know, I've, I've seen a dead body many times because I was in anatomy class and I actually dissected a dead body as part of anatomy with um, the knife and the scissors and everything who cut and study the muscles and the vessels and the parts of the human body. Now, one thing that you will realize quickly when you see a dead body or you try to um, handle a dead body is that a dead body is very heavy, right? Because the person is dead, so it doesn't move himself about. All the weight of the body is now there. So it's very heavy. So when Imagine if they were putting the nails through the middle of the, palm, of the palm, like you see in most of the images. What will happen is, when the person is hanging on the cross, the whole weight of the body is hanging by that. And the bones in the palms are very tiny. They are not strong enough to hold the person on the cross. And so, if they were to put the nail here, the person's hand will just snap and fall off of the cross and will defeat the whole purpose of the cross because the whole purpose of the cross is to cause you to die slowly whilst you hang on the cross. So where the Roman soldiers will always put the nail is in your wrist because the two big bones here are strong enough to hold the weight of your body. So this is where if we see Jesus when we get to heaven and you see the nail wound in his hand, you will see it here. It's still there, okay? Jesus still has the wound right now in his hand. Now, over there, one thing I want you to understand is why the Roman soldiers will put the nail there. Understand, the crucifixion is designed to maximize the pain that you feel through death. As slow and painful as possible. Okay, now, 
and, you have, and cutting your wrist is painful. Of course. And just imagine cutting your wrist, but with, well, not cutting at all, but having a giant knife right through there. All right, so, so, so imagine with me, in your hand here, there is a nerve that goes through, right? And those of you who will do anatomy if you get to university, one, there's a nerve here, and it's the ulna nerve, okay? The ulna nerve goes through the side. And then there's a nerve in the middle called the median nerve. You see that there, that big one. That nerve, have you, you've, have you, have you hit your elbow? against a sharp corner. You know how it feels? It hurts. Right, it hurts. So it hurts because when you hit it, it's the nerve there that's pinched. Okay, so what these soldiers do when they put the nail through the hand, the nail goes right through the median nerve. Okay, now if you want to imagine how that feels, just imagine grabbing the nerve with pliers and twisting it. Okay? And just compare it to just hitting your elbow just in one hit, how it feels. Very painful. Very painful. As they are putting the nail through the hand, very painful. Now, don't you think that even that pain is enough to shock you to die? Now, have you heard of the word excruciating? Yeah. Excruciating is actually the, is, is, is a word that was couched out of the crucifixion experience because the pain that you feel as the nail goes through that nerve they couldn't describe it it was indescribable because it was so painful even the word pain was not enough to describe it so they had to come up with a new word to describe that experience and that word is excruciating it's from the original word from crucifixion okay now you have an idea the sort of pain that Jesus went through. We're looking at the events leading to his death. Now we're looking at the actual death and how he died. Okay? The cause of death. Now, I told you today's little bit of biology class. As the nail has already been put in the wrist, sanguine on the cross, the legs crossed the nails in the, in the feet, and the person is just hanging by the nails on the hand and the nails in the feet. That's the only thing holding the person on the cross. Okay? What causes the person to die? Once they nail you like that, they nail you in a way that you are not normally able to breathe. Okay? And so to breathe, you would have to physically try to move your body up and down the cross. So inhaling, to inhale, you would have to move your body down, right? As you move your body down, your rib cage will open. So Jesus had to force himself. Remember, all his back is wounded, right? And the wooden cross, the cross is not like the nice wood that you see all sharpened and it's rough wood. So all the piercings on his back, as he hangs on the cross, he tries to move himself up against, oh, sorry, down to get air to get into his ribcage. 
as he moves, the, the, the pain on his back or the wounds on his back scrapes against the wooden cross. That in itself is painful. But he has to breathe. He has to, you know, the body tries to survive. So as he moves himself down, his ribcage opens, then air will get into his body. So that's, then he gets the air. Now for the air to come out, because his body has been positioned in a way, it doesn't come out automatically. He has to force himself gradually up again. Right? And remember, as he's doing that, because his nail, the nail is already in his feet, so it will tear through a bit in his feet, but he has to still force himself. And as he does that, the ribcage closes and the air comes out. Okay, so there's a very painful, slow moving his body up. And each time he does that, each time he tries to move his body down, the nail will move very painful. And he moves it up. The nail in his feet will also move very painful. Right? And then his back is scraping against the wooden pole. Now, so that happens for a while. Very painful, slow death. Right? Now, as that happens, it gets to a point where you lose the strength, of course, to keep doing it. So you start to lose oxygen. Okay? When that happens, your body realizes that, hey, I'm losing oxygen. What will your heart do? The brain will send a message to the heart that I'm not getting enough oxygen. Begin to pump faster so that the little oxygen that is in the blood will go quickly to the rest of the body. So then the heart begins to beat faster. Boom, 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 boom. The speed of that heart beating eventually will reach a point where the heart will give up. Right? And then they will have a cardiac arrest, so they will have a heart attack. So, out of the lack of oxygen, the medical term for it is, is what? Asphyxiation. Right? So, Jesus died whilst on the cross through that. And that happened, you know the moment that, that happened? That happened when he, the Bible said, he said, it is finished. So, Jesus knew the moment before the heart, his heart gave up, he knew it. He said, it is finished. The moment he said, it is finished, the Bible said he gave up the ghost. Okay? And then he died. And that was the cause of death. Now, can you compare this to the elephant on the train track? And what would you say to somebody who says, oh, you know, Jesus didn't really die. Um, he, he was just revived. You tell them to go try and see. <laughs> whether they will die or not. Put them through the same... You know, when people say that, it's because they don't understand what the Roman soldiers did when they were crucifying a person. When you tell them to go and study what crucifixion really meant and what they did in those days when they were crucifying a person, there's no chance of survival. Zero chance of survival. You will die. Now... The other proof that Jesus also died, if you remember, whilst he hung on the cross and gave up the ghost, the soldiers wanted to make sure that he is dead. Right? And so he took a spear and pierced his side. Now, what happens when the heart races to beat like that? Because of the intense activity, there is a collection of water, clear watery fluid around the heart. Okay, and the lungs. And all of that contributes to the cardiac arrest. So when the, 
when the soldier took the spear and pierced his side, he pierced into the lungs, pierced into the sack around the heart. All that water gushed out. Now, if you read John chapter 19, verse 34, the Bible actually tells us when the soldier pierced Jesus' heart, water and blood came out. Right? They saw water and blood come out. And that aligns with the medical um, knowledge that when a person goes through that cardiac arrest that they go through during crucifixion, there's water around the blood and the heart. So when he pierced it, of course, the blood is already there in the vessels and the water there comes out. That is another proof that Jesus died. Right? What will happen if we put a puncture in your, in your lungs? Will you still be around? No. You will not be around. So Jesus died. Jesus died. He died. And so if we know that Jesus Christ died, he being the faithful witness on a good Friday, trying to remember what Jesus did. I want us to read this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. Michaela, read for me. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Amen. Amen. Looking unto Jesus. So, you see, we also, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That word witnesses there is martyrs. Okay? We are so surrounded by a great cloud of people who are a witness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This Jesus who is the faithful witness, even to the point of death, did not deny his assignment from the Father. But went through. After he prayed in Gethsemane, Oh, Father, please, if it is your will, let this cup pass. And he said, But not my will, but your will be done. Why? Because of you and I. Because of our sins. You know? And if we say that we have come to believe in this Jesus, we have to be serious. No? We have to be serious if we really believe or we are just joking around. If you really believe in Jesus, whom you are following, you will pay attention to what he did when he was following his father and following the will of his father. And if you and I are following him, we will walk in his footsteps. In this scripture, he's telling us, let us look to Jesus the true and faithful witness. Let us look to him who for the joy that was set before him, the joy of pleasing the Father, he endured the cross. Remember I told you the cross is the power of God. You and I have to carry our own crosses. One of the crosses that you have to carry is to overcome sin in your life. We have to overcome sin. It, it will cost you. It is painful. He said, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, easily besets us. Easily besets us. If your Savior and my Savior went through such pain on the cross so that you and I can become the children of God, 
what pain can you go through so that you can also please God? What pain can you also go through so that you can be a faithful witness like Jesus? Well, most of the time, we don't want to go through any pain. We just want to have fun and enjoy life. Right? We dress nicely and come to church. But the price that you must pay, some of us, the price we must pay, and I said this to the youth here, is cut off some of your friends. There are some friends you have that don't encourage you in your walk with the Lord. That even when you're amongst them, you don't want them to know that you're a Christian. I mean, if Jesus went through this for you and you are ashamed of him, the Bible actually says he will be ashamed of you too. And he will be ashamed of you before the Father. Amen? So let us lay aside every sin and the weight that easily besets us. The second thing that I want us to realize is the actual weight of the cross. The actual weight of the cross. If I were to ask you this question, how much did the cross weigh? What would you say? Hadassah. Around 10 pounds. Good. Hadassah, what would you say? How much did the cross weigh? Guess. Like 50 pounds. How much did the cross weigh? Who wants to guess? Yes, Monica? 200. 200, okay. Nathan? 100. How much did the cross weigh, Beverly? Don't know. How much did the cross weigh? How much did the cross weigh? Let's watch this video. Every crime against humanity. Every genocide. Every unspeakable act of oppression and tyranny. Every act of terrorism. Every starving nation ignored. Let's get the lights. 
So the weight of the cross is not a physical weight like you were trying to tell me. The weight of the cross is the weight of the sins of the whole world. Your sin and my sin upon Jesus. And the Bible tells us in John 15 verse 13, Greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his brothers. It's good to know that Jesus died, but it's more important to know why he died. And why he died was to take your place and my place. Greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his brothers. Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want to give all of us a chance on this Good Friday if you haven't seriously committed your life to Christ, and I'm talking of a serious, personal, conscious decision. I mean, for a long time, I was going to church. I was going to church with my parents. My mom's going to church. I'll follow her and go to church. But I had not personally committed my life to Christ. You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. If I go and sleep in a garage, will I become the next Mercedes-Benz? No. No. Sleeping in a garage doesn't make you a car. Going to the zoo doesn't make you a lion. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You could come to church all your life and not be a Christian and die and go to hell. What makes you a Christian is when you, on your own, on your own, you decide, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross. It's not some story. I believe it. I have read it in the Bible. I have seen it being taught to me. I believe what I have heard. That Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I am giving my life to him. You know, and it's not um, some creedy, wishy-washy thing that you say. You know, it's something meaningful from your heart. And if you want to really say that, like I did many years ago, when I heard my pastor preach about the crucifixion of Jesus, I decided I'll give my life to Christ. And I walked up to the front and I gave my life to Christ. And from that day, my life changed. My friends changed. My habits changed. Things I did changed. I began to passionately follow Jesus. So I want you to bow down your heads. On this Good Friday, as we remember the death of Jesus, in your heart, it's a one-to-one decision. You know that you haven't personally, consciously committed your life to Christ. And you are here. But you really want to do it. You really want to, from this day, say, Today, April 19th, 2019, I decided that I'm no longer going to be a churchgoer, but I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're here like that, let's close our eyes. Let's all close our eyes, please. Close your eyes. Don't look at me. Close your eyes. If you're here like that, I want you to pray this prayer after me from your heart. As you are seated there, pray it from your heart. Close your eyes, please. And don't be on your phone. Don't be on your phone. Close your eyes. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. 
I believe that you died for my sins. And through your death, I can become a child of God. Today, I make this decision to commit my life to you. I want to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Help me today to break free from all my past sins through the power of the Holy Spirit. Give me power to be a true witness of these things that I have heard. Never to be ashamed of you. Give me boldness to be a witness for Jesus. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer truly from your heart, you have been born again. You have been saved. And I'll challenge you to take your Christian walk seriously. Not everyone who comes to church with us is a Christian. So don't try to measure your Christian walk by another person. They may not be saved. Even though they've been coming to church with you, they may not be saved. So don't look at them when you come to church and they are talking and chit-chatting and doing whatever and giggling. Don't follow people. Okay? Even twins come to world one by one. And will leave the world one by one. Okay? So don't follow, don't follow people and say, oh yeah, look, yeah, they're talking there. Okay, let me also relax. No. Be serious with Jesus. Be serious with Jesus. Your life will never be the same. Now, just to close with this verse here. Greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his brothers or for his friends. I want you to think for a moment, don't you have friends who don't know Jesus? We all do. You have friends in school who don't know Jesus. You have friends who, yeah, they may know Jesus, but you see that they are not really serious about Jesus. Now, if you truly love them and you want to be a true witness of Jesus, like Jesus, you'll go through whatever it takes to get them to know Jesus. Even if it means being teased. Of course, being teased is nothing like hanging on the cross, like Jesus did for us. Even if it means being said you are not cool, or you are weird, or you are something. They call you names. It's much better than what Jesus did for us. And so I want to challenge all of us to begin to pray for our friends and try to invite our friends to church. You know, all you can do is come, come with me to church. Invite your friend to church. Jesus will touch their lives. Greater love has no man than this. That a man should lay down his life for his friends. If you take your friend to a party and I bring my friend to church, me and you, who loves their friend more? The one who brought his friend to church. Because you could take your friend to a party and there will be a fire and your friend dies, your friend goes to hell. How were you a friend to your friend? Greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life. Lay down your life means you will lose popularity, you will lose the fame, they may say things about you. Why are you always talking about church? Why are you trying to get me to church? Why are you talking about Jesus? And why are you this? And why are you that? Right? 
you, you, you are laying down your life. You are putting yourself down just so that your friend can come with you to church, can come with you to the, to the youth camp, or come with you to the youth event. Right? You try to bring them around Jesus. You bring them around Jesus because that's where they will find true salvation. If you are a martyr, a true witness, a faithful witness, you will not be afraid of what you need to go, you need to go through to talk about Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Let's be on our feet. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word that has come to us to challenge us, to empower us, to renew in our minds and hearts the truth of what you did for us 2,000 years ago. Lord, on the cross of Calvary, what you went through that we should not forget, that we should not forget. Help us in the name of Jesus, never to forget what you did for us on the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Today, those of us who have committed our lives to you afresh, help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be faithful witnesses, just like you were, Jesus. And I speak your blessing over these people. Bless and keep them. You are able to keep each one of these from falling and to present them faultless unto the throne of grace. Keep these ones by the power of God. Let their faith not be shaken. Give them reasons for their faith through diligent study of your word. I thank you that you have distinguished these ones and set them apart for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And we shouldn't be afraid. You know, when you have to choose between your life and your faith, what will be your choice? And you have to choose between your life and your faith. So you either deny Jesus and you live, or you hold on to Jesus and you, you, you are killed. If you are faced with that choice, which one would you choose? It's like multiple choice in the exam. Life or faith, which one would you choose? Judah? Um, my faith. You choose your faith? God will help you. You choose your faith. Amen. We, we have to choose our faith. I want you to listen to this song. Listen to this song. Pay attention to the lyrics of this song. Guys, listen to this song, okay? Very nice song. Pay attention to it so you get the story. It's a, more like a story. Dad, has it always been this way? Well, even from the beginning, men hated Jesus. Even though he did nothing but love them and teach them and heal them, they nailed him to a cross. They thought they had killed him, but they only set him free live in the hearts of people like you and me who believe in him. Then came the apostles and most of them were killed for telling other people about Jesus. But by 
by that time it was too late. There were hundreds of people who believed in Jesus. So they tortured them and killed them and they even left their bodies to rot as an example to other people. But the church kept right on growing, watered by the blood of these precious saints. But Dad, did they want to die? No. They didn't want to die. I mean, many of them had children just like you that they had to leave behind. But they were forced to make a choice. I mean, they could choose to live this one life here on earth and reject Jesus and be damned. Or they could choose to believe in the words of Jesus and live forever. I think I understand. Here, maybe this will help you understand.
wasn't always this way. I mean, my dad could even pray in school. Of course, they took that away from him. And then it became incorrect for us to believe in the Bible. After that, they just stripped our right to worship away from us and we, we quietly stood by. But son, I hope that you're never put in a position that you have to choose between your faith and your life. But if you are, I know which choice you're going to make. Because I know that Jesus lives inside of you. In the meantime, just pray like I taught you how to. And take care of your mom. Get the lights. Amen. Did that song minister to you? All right. As we're talking, there are some people in prison right now. There are some people who are being beheaded right now. Some people who are being shot right now. Some people are being burned right now for the faith that you have right now. Just last week, I got a message. The Hindus in India have vowed to burn down 200 churches. They don't want to burn it empty. They want to burn it with the people in it. Would you deny Jesus? Or will you stand for what you believe? A true martyrs will be faithful even to death. Father, we lift up this communion before you. As we remember what you did for us on the cross through your son Jesus, help us to pledge our allegiance to you, never to be shaken by anybody or by anything to bow down in our faith, but to stand boldly as true witnesses of the cross of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to proclaim boldly unto this lost generation 
the true words of salvation. As each of us drinks this wine representing your blood and eats this way for representing your flesh, I pray that you will infuse into us supernatural power to be bold witnesses of the cross of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever it's communion time, you give it the utmost respect. Okay? This wasn't a joke, what Jesus went through. So that's not the time to chit-chat and, and stuff. No, no, no. Communion time is like, you know when, when the soldiers, they are playing the national anthem? Whatever the soldier is doing, he stops and he salutes. That's the kind of respect every Christian is supposed to give whenever it's communion time. What, whoever it is, who is, whoever is talking, shut them down. Don't listen. Cut them off. Put the phone down. Full attention because this is the reason for our faith. Okay? So with full attention, with all your heart following, this is the body of Jesus that was broken for us as we partake of his body. May the sacrifice that Jesus went through in breaking his body for mankind be infused into us that we also will lay down our lives for our friends to come to know Jesus. Let's partake of his body. <clears throat> now lift up the cup. As we partake of his cup, I declare this to be the very blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. That blood that flowed through his veins, that brought healing to our bodies. As we drink of his blood, let the healing power of Jesus flow through your body. I curse every sickness in your body. I don't care how long it may have been there. I speak healing into your body in the name of Jesus. I speak healing into your mind any form of slow mind, I command it to be restored fully in the name of Jesus. That the mind of Christ will be imparted into you. You will become first amongst your peers in class. You will be ten times better than your peers. As you drink his blood, receive supernatural help from the Holy Spirit to excel. In the name of Jesus. Let's partake of his blood. Sister Dora, please pray for us. Let's close our eyes as Sister Dora prays. Father, we just want to thank you and bless you and glorify your holy name. Thank you for this special day, Father, as we celebrate the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who, Father, was a faithful witness who came to save us from our sins and to give us life eternal. And on this day, Father, we thank you for the privilege to dine with you. I pray that you will be with us, Father. Everything that we have learned here this morning, Father, I pray that we will remember it. May the Holy Spirit bring it into our remembrance. That Jesus did not just collapse or just, did this, just lost consciousness, but he truly died on the cross for us. That his death is what paved the way for us to come to you again. The divided barrier that was there was torn into pieces when he left up his ghost. 
And Lord, we thank you for the privilege, oh Lord, the freedom that we have to worship you freely in this country. And as we remember this, Father, we pray for those that are, oh Father, being burned right now, being killed right now, put in prison, suffering because of their faith in your son. We bring them before you on this special day. That, Lord, you will remember them, oh God. That, Lord, you will come to your rescue, oh Father. And as we think about them, Lord, help us to also think about ourselves here. That we do not take for granted, oh Lord, the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary for us. Help us, oh Lord, to hold the blood in high esteem. To worship our Lord Jesus with all diligence, oh God. Because your word says that those who seek you must seek you earnestly. And Lord, you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So Father, help us today to remember what you have done for us as we walk by the wayside, as we walk by the, the highways and all the places that we go. Help us to remember this day, what we have heard this day, because we will be called to answer today for everything that we have heard. And Lord, as we dine and listen to your word, Father, we pray for those also who are out there who have not heard about what Jesus has done for them. Help us, O oh Lord, to send the word out to them, O oh Lord, by praying for them, by giving to ministries that are reaching out to these people. Help us, O oh God, to be great witnesses just like our Lord Jesus. And help us as we go on our knees every day to lift up our brothers and sisters, O oh Lord. Those who, are, who know you and those who have never heard of the name Jesus. Let us always continually pray for them and remember them in our prayers, O oh God. We thank you for this day. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise today. Help us, O oh Lord, as we lift up our, our heads onto you and we surrender our lives into your hands. May you help us today, Father, to be great witnesses for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Now, shall we share the grace? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. God bless you.